we're in an impossible situation in an impossible position because we're faced with almost impossible performance standards at the same time we don't always have the authority to make decisions we don't always have the resources we don't always control the resources so we're kind of set up a little bit to fail howdy y'all and welcome to the cyber ranch podcast that's marilise de villiers founder and CEO of Roar Coaching and Consulting, and she's here at the ranch to chat with us about InfoSec career burnout, toxic environments and bosses, our own toxic behaviors that can lead to burnout, our biggest obstacles and how to face them. It's a great show, and I'm very excited to have Marilise join us. Marilise, thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Alan, it's amazing to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. All right, so why don't we get started by you telling us a bit about how you got into information security and a bit about what you're doing in that space today. So yeah, I got into cybersecurity, information security uh, by accident <laughs> um, about 10 years ago. So I always kind of talk about my career in two halves. So the first half of my career, I've pretty much been as a learning and development specialist in finance and internal audits. So my background is chartered accountancy. But then 10 years ago, I had a conversation with a colleague who told me that, Marilise, this is not only a technology problem we're trying to solve, it's actually a people problem. So I got really intrigued and interested in how we actually change behavior in this space and, and how do we embed secure mindsets and habits. So I've spent pretty much the last 10 years first in sort of consultancy roles um, on big cybersecurity transformation programs when I was still with PwC. I've done three, four years as a research director where I researched cyber risk and was responsible for delivering cybersecurity papers. And um, most recently in my own company, I've been doing operational roles. So really passionate about how organizations raise awareness, but most importantly, embed secure mindsets and habits into their organizational cultures. So a diverse background in cyber and that leads to today, where you've really made another pivot. Why don't you tell us about that? My company, Roar, is <laughs> all about helping individuals and organizations find their role. So in the cybersecurity space, it's more around working with the organization and ultimately creating uh, safe and inclusive cultures where people are not afraid to speak up. Because as a cybersecurity function and as leaders, we all know that the most important thing for us is to become aware of problems as soon as they surface so that we can do something about it. So really, it's how do we build that resilience in the organization through our people. So it's all about how does the organization find its role? And therefore, people tell us when, you know, they've perhaps clicked on a link, or they they've seen some suspicious behavior, so that we can quickly respond. I guess we're up against two communication challenges, right? One is, as practitioners in the security space, we're not the best at opening up and sharing, right? And the other is, to your point, folks that are clicking on things may, may feel embarrassed or may feel bad and may not want to even reveal that they've done the thing, right? Mm. So this lack of communicating that, that we suffer from, this lack of openness that we suffer from, I think it's a factor in, in burnout, CISO mm -hmm. burnout and, and burnout even not just CISOs, but anybody in the security space, the InfoSec space. So how real is burnout in our industry and, and what do you think some of the common causes are? Does it have to do with this inability to open up? 
That's where RAW for individuals come in. So that's where I work with the individuals and typically security leaders to really uh, recognize, you know, how we are sometimes our own worst enemy um, when it comes to actually delivering the results. Now, first of all, I think the context for security leaders is very much that we're in an impossible situation, in an impossible position, because we're faced with almost impossible performance standards. At the same time, we don't always have the authority to make decisions. Um, We don't always have the resources. We don't always control the resources. So we're kind of set up a little bit to fail and therefore the actual ability to influence and to communicate effectively becomes super important but we know that that's a big problem for CISOs in particular you know in terms of how we actually influence our key stakeholders and of course then that leads to lots of problems like burnout you know just the stress levels just go through the roof and people just keep going and keep going and try harder but they don't necessarily fill up their tank um, and build that resilience muscle. And so that's where I do a ton of my work. What I'm hearing is we oftentimes contribute to our own burnout. We do. I mean, that's, that's what I always say. You know, We've got to take personal responsibility for our role that we play in the situation that we're in. Now, of course, there's lots and lots of external forces that are contributing to mental health, you know, especially when you're in an environment and an organization that it's making it almost impossible for you to actually do your do your job, right. <laughs> um, which I think is often the case with security leaders. It's, it's really hard for them to actually deliver the work. And I speak to a lot of CISOs on a daily basis. And it's that frustration with, you know, we, we keep we keep hitting roadblocks and we can't actually implement. Um, so it's a big reality. At the end of the day, it's all about then how you as an individual navigate that and how you show up and really work on that sort of mindset around how you actually think and feel about things, but also how you work on your physical presence and physical health in terms of what you say and what you do. So you have that ability, then it's all about personal power and influence at the end of the day. And that's where I think a lot of the times we are not communicating effectively yet, but we are getting better. And that's that's really amazing to see how CISOs are really beginning to step up to the plate. All right. So there's sort of a holistic approach, taking care of ourselves, mind and body. Now, what about self-assessing and sort of weeding out some of these negative things? Like, so I do all the right things and I meditate and I exercise and I eat right and I try to control my hours and I try to keep from burning out, you know, by, by keeping a good work-life balance. But there's still that inner piece of me that's going to drive me and compel me. I mean, I, you know, just for our listeners, it's five in the morning my time and we're recording <laughs> and I was up at four working before that. How do we self-assess and sort of weed some of that some of that stuff out of our own selves um, when we start heading towards burnout? So I think it absolutely starts with clarity on who you are, who you want to be, how you show up in this world. Because at the end of the day, if you have a real center point around your big why, as Simon Sinek calls it, start with why, it's really where the difference come in between people sinking or swimming. So people who have real clear sense of who they are and the direction that they're heading in in life can basically navigate any storm, no matter how big or small. And then, as you say, then it's your daily health habits, your daily high performance habits, as I call them, which is how you um, 
ensure that you keep that tank filled up you know so you won't allow your phone to drop below 30 percent you plug it in to recharge the same way you've got to recharge your mind and your body and keep that resilience muscle strong and strengthening that resilience muscle so I think what's important to realize is stress is a fact of life. You know, it's not going to go away, but we've got to work through it. And it's about finding the coping mechanisms to work through it, to weather the storms, to face and to weather the storms. And so if you have that clarity around who you are and how you show up and the direction you're heading, and you do all those amazing things that you've said, Alan, about meditation and exercise and healthy eating, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, it has to be what works for you as an individual, and it has to be done consistently, ideally daily, then, you know, you've got a pretty good shot at succeeding. One of the things we talked about, and just for our listeners, I, I've attended one of Marilisa's sessions, and I, I found it to be very valuable, very informative. Folks were, uh, were getting very vulnerable and opening up, and it was, a, it was a good experience. And we talked about the external influences. I think a lot of us in our careers have run into toxic cultures, negative situations, places where, for lack of a better word, there's bullies in the workplace, there's uh, excessive critics, there's villains, there's all these other aspects of the toxic work culture. And, and we can have a whole conversation about that and what do you do with that environment and how do you help to change it? Can you change it? Should you just walk? That's one whole set of conversations. But one of the things Marilise pointed out is that we often internalize that kind of stuff and we end up with our own inner critic. So I'd like you to elaborate a little bit on some degree of self-criticism is very healthy, right? When does it become unhealthy? What does it look like when we've internalized that toxicity and we're applying it to ourselves in our own internal landscape? So I think it becomes really toxic and unhealthy when you start uh, saying that I am so the moment you say I am, we believe what we say we are, right? So if we say I am a failure, you know, I am not enough, that's the sort of toxic self-talk which becomes really unhelpful because you are being defined by it. It's okay to feel like you've done something or you feel like a failure at some particular point. But the moment you solidify it in your brain as I am, you become defined. That's when it becomes a problem. So I always say to people, you have these neuropathways and you have neuroplasticity. So our brains don't know the difference between real and fiction. It doesn't know the difference between past present and future. So we can really, really cleverly manipulate our brains. So it's it's all about rewiring that conversation to become defined by I am enough, you know, because the more times you tell yourself I am not enough, it's almost like you are tarring a road and it becomes really, really hard to undo that particular behavior. And so really Words are important and the way that you speak to yourself, the way the conversation that you're having with yourself, it's watching that conversation and catching yourself when you have those limiting beliefs, when you have that self-doubt creeping in because your brain believes pretty much everything you tell it. You mentioned the reality versus fantasy and the fact that our brains can be programmed. I'm sort of picturing almost a carnival house mirror. And, you know, I've, <laughs> I've been in a very toxic environment. I had one boss. I'll just go ahead and share this. I had one boss. This person was absolutely exceptional at making you feel like a failure pretty much every encounter. It didn't matter what you did. It wasn't good enough. You were never even given a chance to give your own narrative. Like, like I would put together a, a PowerPoint presentation, for example, and I'd be on slide two just getting started. And this person would insist on jumping around and, you know, well, show me slide five and what's over here and what's over here. And I was never even given the chance to tell my story. And it was always this, go fix this and go fix that. And 
there was just this perpetual negative feedback loop. So I'm now looking at this mirror that's always showing me a negative image of myself. And I began to internalize that. I began going home, just like you said, feeling like I am not enough. I am not good enough. I am not qualified. I am not, you know, and it was a whole bunch of I am not statements. And it just became very unhealthy. I reached a very negative point, physical side effects even, you know, health-wise. Mm-hmm. And uh, other offers came along, and my wife was like, you, you'd better entertain those. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't looking per se, but, um, you know, but offers had come in, and she said, take one. you mm-hmm. got to get out of there. This place is horribly unhealthy for you. So if you're exposed enough to a negative mirror, you start to bring that mirror home with you, I guess is kind of the, <laughs> kind of the model. 100%. And it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that uh, your wife stepped in. I had the similar situation with my husband sort of stepping in after my body. I was physically getting anxiety attacks. So in the situation where I was bullied by my boss for four years, I remained so headstrong because in my mind, I think there was this overriding thought of, I blamed myself for everything that wasn't right. So everything that he criticized, that he positioned as a failure, I I thought that was my fault. And then I became the failure. So I became defined. I said, I am a failure. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of toxic inner bully that I'm describing. And when you get to that point, it's like you are absolutely at rock bottom. You get to burn out stage and you've got to remove yourself from the situation. You can't stay in an environment like that. But in my case as well, my husband stepped in and he said, you know, well, I said enough is enough after I was publicly demoted in the boardroom, but he made me write my resignation letter three months prior. So um, yeah, can relate to your your story. (laughs) Before we switch topics, let's hear a brief word from our sponsor. The complexity of cloud infrastructure means every organization's security challenges are unique. Whether your challenge is threat hunting, policy management, endpoint security, cloud protection, or all of the above. Uptix helps you quickly identify and eliminate observability gaps in your security program. That's Uptix. Analytics for the modern attack surface, observability for the modern defender. Check out Uptix by visiting Uptix.com. That's Uptix.com. Thank you, Uptix, for sponsoring this episode. We're talking about kind of, I think, worst case scenario here where the boss is a bully, where you're getting this constant negative feedback. And I think most of us, sadly, have had that sort of leader that we've reported to, that, that we've, we've all been exposed to bad leadership. But I think there's more subtle things that, that might be related. I thought we'd explore that a little bit, especially in InfoSec, right? Uh, I had a conversation with my wife, again, her, her being my sanity check in this whole career. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the futility and the hopelessness that you get into sometimes as an InfoSec professional. You're fighting because you care. You're trying to secure the organization and the organization doesn't seem to care as much about securing itself as you care about securing it. And so Mm. fighting against hopelessness, not necessarily bullying, not necessarily Mm. toxic behavior on the part of a leader, but just that frustration of going to work and feeling like I care more than they do and I'm always going to care more than they do and they're never going to care enough to satisfy me and, and why am I even trying, you know, and, and I guess it's sort of internalizing helplessness and sort of overwhelming mm-hmm. yourself with that feeling. And, and I've been there more than once, more than one shop where I, I recognize they're, they're never going to embrace this as much as I have. So I guess the question there is, do we, do we deal with sort of the same physics? Is that, you know, how do we, how do we overcome that one? First of all, I, th- I would say is that really clear sense of who you are in terms of you, you know, knowing your rights and knowing your boundaries and really having that self and and this is getting a bit 
woolly, but getting that self-love. Um, I, I talk about love a lot, so just bear with me. Um, but it is it's that kindness to self. So the reason sometimes why we care so much is that we want to actually prove something to the outside world. So it's it's checking yourself in terms of you feel a sense of hopelessness. So I think it's really, again, holding the mirror up and getting honest with yourself about why am I feeling that way? Am I trying to control a situation that is not controllable? Am I actually trying to fix a problem that isn't fixable? Because at some point, you've got to draw that boundary and you've got to say, I'm not doing this on my own. Cybersecurity is a business problem. It's not a cybersecurity problem. It's a problem. And actually, I would say rather an opportunity, you know, to innovate and to really become leaders in industries, um, regardless of, of the industry that you're in, you know, it's such an amazing opportunity to to differentiate yourself as a, as a business. How do leaders see that? What are we doing as cybersecurity leaders to actually convey that message to communicate? So we're back at that sort of C word, communication, influence, that hopelessness is coming from a place where you've not actually been able to say to business leaders, this is this is our problem. This is not just my problem. We are in this together. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really, really important. So, I mean, this is such a, we can unpick this question. There's so many kind of dimensions to this question. But if you look at it from the individual's perspective, I think it's really letting go of that need to want to control and want to control situations that are not within your control. And also recognizing, um, you know, honestly asking yourself, why are you feeling so hopeless? I mean, I I recognize this because I was there. I was trying harder. So the harder my bully pushed me, the harder I pushed myself. And I just was feeling more and more hopeless. But what I didn't clock at the time was that it was actually not a problem I could fix. Mm -hmm. He was a big part of the problem, but he was never going to admit it. And it wasn't my problem to fix. But there I was just trying harder and harder and harder, feeling more hopeless and more hopeless and more hopeless. I get that. So these are obstacles we're facing. And sometimes that obstacle is the challenge of the environment itself. Sometimes that obstacle is the challenges we give ourselves. And these are big obstacles. This isn't small stuff. This is really big stuff. This is career-changing and life-changing stuff, as we both pointed out. You can get to a point of physical health side effects. You can get to a point of just being horrible and useless at home, not just at work. What you do in your career, you carry with you home. So there's a lot of negative repercussions to this kind of burnout, to this hopelessness, to this helplessness, to this failure to deal with toxic environments. So how should we perceive these obstacles, right? What's what's the best mindset? Once you finally recognize that it's an obstacle, what's your next step? 100%, you have to get honest with yourself. So you've got to hold that mirror up and you've got to say, I'm in this situation. What role have I played to get myself to where I am today? Now, this is not a blame game, but this is about you taking extreme ownership. You're taking personal ownership for your life and you're owning your whole story. And until you do that, until you really hold that mirror up, it's going to be really hard for you to move forwards and to affect any change. I come back to the clarity on who you are and who you want to be, how you want to show up in the world. So getting really crystal clear on your purpose in life. Now, that's a big question. And it takes a lot of time sometimes to figure that out, sometimes years, sometimes decades, sometimes days. But it's an important question to ask ourselves and to really connect with that because our purpose is inside us. It's born inside us. It's not something that you're going to find in the outside world. And that's, again, that sort of thing. You've got to, you've got to look inside. You've got to look with your inner eyes to find it. And then I guess I would always say to people, get help. 
get professional help. It's so important to get someone to sort of really help you accelerate getting out of the environment first and foremost, I would say, but then to really strengthen that resilience muscle again by changing the conversation you're having with yourself or finding the physical strength again by exercising or whatever the next step for you is. But professional help can help you accelerate your results. I don't know that I've mentioned this on the show before, but my wife is a psychologist and I always joke with her that she could have an entire career focusing just on InfoSec. (laughs) There's there's plenty of us in this field that could definitely use a a check and a consult and, you know, some advice and tips and some practical cognitive approaches towards things. But I think also career coaches and these sorts of folks can do it. Chris Cochran, who is one of the hosts of the Hacker Valley Studio shows, I'm affiliated with the Hacker Valley Studio family. One thing he loves to do is he's got these little workshops where he works with people to figure out their purpose and their superpower. And it's a very simple exercise. He'll, he'll spend a few hours, maybe even a day with somebody to help walk through that and start really honing in on, yes, but, but what about this part? And he'll ask lots of whys and lots of what's, and he'll, he'll hone it down until somebody can really say, here's where I'm at, here's what I'm good at, here's what I should be doing on this planet, and here's my superpower. And I think those kinds of exercises – be they conducted by a professional or anybody. Chris happens to be exceptionally good at it. Um, mm-hmm. I, everyone who's worked with him, you know, is reported. And, he, and he's he's not a professional. He's not a trained professional at all. He's just offering that sort of coaching and that, you know, walking someone through their self-perspective. I think it's a valuable exercise. And I think a, a, a trusted coach to get you through some of that, regardless of who that is, you know, find that somebody. Sometimes it's a good friend. I've got a good friend who's really good at shining a, a, a proper mirror and really kind of I can bounce ideas off of her and truly get a sense of where I am, good and bad, positive and negative. It's it's that, again, that honesty and that courage to face whatever you really are. And she's great at holding up that mirror. I always end up walking away going, wow, I didn't realize that about myself. You know, it's mm-hmm. so, so it can, it can be a friend. It can be anybody, but, but I'm with you. I think, I think that's such a valuable exercise. So facing these obstacles, let's say that we've mastered it. We've understood now where we are. You've got an expression about our, I want to make sure I'm quoting it right, our best lives are at the other side of a big obstacle. Is that, am I getting it right? Yeah. So your best life is on the other side of your biggest obstacle. So help me understand that one a little more. We face the obstacle, we've overcome the obstacle. What's waiting for us on the other side? This is a really interesting question because I think there's always another obstacle waiting, right? So that that doesn't mean you shouldn't go there. <laughs> there is that sort of, you know, the, the three types of things people fear the most is the initial pain of changing. So people decide not to change because of what they're going to lose. So it's a loss pain. And then there's the process pain, um, which is all about how hard it is going to be to go through the process. But then there's also the outcome pain. So say, what if it's not as what I've expected? So I think this is really what the three things people fear the most. And I think it's really interesting because I have moved myself. I'll I'll share my personal experience because I think that would relate to people or resonate with people. Um, So I have gone through at the time, three years, four years ago, my biggest obstacle was my experience in a toxic environment with a bully and moving away from that and basically starting over and reinventing myself. Now I have my best life on the other side of that obstacle, but now I'm building a business. So now I'm facing an obstacle at a very different level, but there's always a a worthy opponent. And it's like, so what is that worthy opponent? And it's recognizing there's always going to be something. There's always going to be a next level. But at the end of the day, it's so important that you wake up every morning and you feel 
like you are living your best life today because all we have is today. We might not have tomorrow. And that best life today, only you can define. So, you know, how do you define success? Are you being defined by your work? Are you being defined by your job? Is your identity defined by work or actually are you actually a whole person in terms of, you know, um, all your relationships, uh, your personal relationships and, and, and your relationship with yourself. So at the end of the day, every day has to be your best life, but it doesn't mean we're not going to have big obstacles to overcome because that's just life. In martial arts, they always talk about having your balance stance before you do anything, right? That's, that's kind exactly. of exactly. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. You know, have your balanced stance and then you can you can deal with an attack. You can deal with being the attacker or the attackee, right? You, you're, you're ready for whichever way it might go. You've got that balanced stance. And that's why the resilience piece is so important. How are you building that mental and physical stamina so that you can actually navigate whatever's coming your way? I, I always say to people, if you don't have big obstacles in your way, your goals and ambitions are not big enough. Right. But you can choose to live your best life today because you have everything that you read, need right now inside of you to make your best life a reality. That leads us to my final question. I always ask every guest, which is, tell us what keeps you going. What keeps you motivated to dive back into the game every day? You've launched your own coaching and consulting business. You've done the InfoSec career. Uh, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're all these things. What's your inner motivation? It's really to give vulnerable people a voice. Um, so it's for me at the end of the day, Roar is all about, you know, people finding that inner strength and that confidence and that courage to speak up, you know, to own their whole story. And I see the difference it's making in people's lives, you know. When you see it in someone's eyes, you know, when the light bulb goes on, that is just the most rewarding thing in the world for me. Well, that's fantastic. Marilise de Villiers, founder and CEO of Roar Coaching and Consulting. Thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now. <laughs>